The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The wellness community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. In our first episode of a special series called Things I Wished I Had Known, we took a look at chemo brain, also known as brain fog, a side effect of chemotherapy. Uh, we had thought this side effect would be anticipated by people receiving uh, the treatment and, and anticipated by their loved ones, but we, are, we were pretty surprised to discover that uh, although up to 60% of patients undergoing treatment for cancer develop chemo brain to some degree, many patients and their loved ones are caught off guard when they experience it. Today, we're going to take a look at another side effect of cancer that seems to be just as common and equally overlooked in the cancer conversation, and that's cancer survivor's guilt. Survivor's guilt is accepted as a common reaction to surviving tragic and traumatic events like war or accidents or disasters, natural or caused by humans. But what we're starting to learn, thanks to people living with cancer, speaking out, and the first of its kind study by the Lung Cancer Alliance, is that survivor's guilt is also common with people uh, in people with cancer during and after treatment and in lung cancer patients in particular. So on today's show, we're going to take a frank look at this common and largely unreported response to cancer. We're fortunate to have with us today Michael Levin. Michael is a two-time lung cancer and three-time brain cancer survivor who spent eight years battling these multiple cancers and undergoing gamma knife treatment with a heart attack in between. So really a, a, a stunning story. And we're very happy to have you on the show, Michael, today to tell us a little bit more about your own experience. Thank you, Kim, for allowing me to uh, uh, be on the program and talk about it, uh, such an important subject. So, and I just want to mention that later on in the show, we will be joined by Tara Perloff, Senior Manager of Support Services at the Lung Cancer Alliance, and Dr. Megan Chen of Weill Cornell Medicine. They're going to talk more about the study that the Lung Cancer Alliance conducted and what they learned from it. But let's take a little bit of time to um, uh, to chat with you, Michael. Um, Michael, can you can you? T- Tell us the, some of the details about your cancer diagnosis. Obviously, in my introduction of you, you know, it's been a complicated few years for you. So talk to us a little bit about when you were diagnosed and about how things unfolded for you with these different cancers. Sure. Uh, first diagnosed February of 
2007, and uh, it was diagnosed as an, uh, because of a early uh, warning system. I had a uh, uh, pains in my legs from my knees to my ankles, and which caused me to first uh, uh, seek uh, medical advice. And uh, I was uh, diagnosed uh, with, uh, ultimately diagnosed with lung cancer and went through the appropriate steps uh, prior to having surgery. After surgery, I had uh, uh, four sessions of chemo. And uh, 18 months later, I had uh, uh, brain meds or it went to my brain. And then it was treated on three separate occasions with uh, gamma knife. Uh, then um, about uh, three years following that, I was on an oral chemo and then uh, had a heart attack after I went off of the mm-hmm. oral chemo and then diagnosed in uh, July of uh, 2014 with the second primary in the lower left lung. Michael, can you, um, just for our listeners who may not know or be familiar, can you tell us a little bit about what Gamma Knife is and, and, and kind of what that experience or treatment is like for you as a patient? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it is uh, uh, It's not a surgery as such uh, with a uh, scalpel or anything of that type. It is high-precision uh, uh, radiation and uh, directed uh, uh, precisely at uh, points uh, uh, in the brain and uh, thus uh, more effective because it does not uh, damage any of the surrounding good tissues. So... Uh, I was very uh, fortunate and consider myself lucky today to be uh, 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 the benefit of this technology and uh, and uh, obviously uh, living a uh, very good life. And and where where did you get that treatment, Michael? Uh, that treatment was given to me in Atlanta, Georgia, at St. Joseph Hospital, and uh, um, they at the time had the only uh, gamma knife. Uh, equipment mm-hmm. in the metro area. I think now they have other, others have it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Michael, tell us how you're doing today. I am fantastic today. I am, uh, at the time of uh, my diagnosis, I was uh, active in my, um, uh, with my family, fully active, engaged with my family, uh, with my friends and social life, and with my social activities, my recreational activities, uh, as well as my business, I own my own business. Mm-hmm. And now that I've gone through this and progressed through this uh, from time to time, having a little setback, but I am equally engaged with my family, equally uh, engaged in the activities of my friends and um, uh, recreational uh, activities as well as my business. I still mm-hmm. work every day. So I live That's a very great. full, happy, gratifying life. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. That's uh, certainly great news considering, you know, considering the path that you've been down, uh, which Thank is you. obviously pretty complicated. Let's get into this topic, Michael, of survivor's guilt Um do you remember the first time you, you, you felt guilty? Can you tell us I, what was happening in your mind or at what point this was going on? I do. I do remember. And uh, it was um, probably sometime during my uh, first uh, 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 chemotherapy, first or second uh, episode of chemotherapy. Uh, I uh, had to seriously wonder, as I sat in an infusion room, why I was here and so many others were not here and uh, who, uh, why I made it, and so many didn't make it. And that was the first uh, genesis of it. 
uh, I think my second uh, uh, Genesis came is uh, when I finished with my chemo in August of 2007, my sister, who was three years older than me, was diagnosed with the same cancer in the same location. Mm. And uh, she uh, unfortunately did not... uh, uh, or could not be uh, 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 could not have surgery, and thus um, eleven months later she passed away. Mm, mm, mm. So, and did you, uh, from, from you know, when you before before your sister my, was my, diagnosed, my and you were saying was, that uh, why was I? Why did I survive and others didn't? And secondly, why did I survive and my sister didn't? Yeah. So, um, so when you said that, you know, when you were in treatment and you were first diagnosed and you were in treatment. Um, you said that kind of you were there and, and, and others were not. Were those folks that you had met who then were not responding to treatment or who had passed away? Or how did you have that sense of you were there and others were not? Well, that uh, I was in an room and there were so many others that were receiving treatment as well, for just not just for lung cancer, but for perhaps uh, breast cancer or other cancers. And some were young women with children. And they made it, and I just could not help but think uh, so many who did not make it, and, and not necessarily those that I knew or mm-hmm. didn't know, but it was more just in the general thing, uh, uh, in the general world, that so many are affected by cancer and lung cancer that yes. they did not uh, survive, and I did survive. So why was I the one that, uh, that was to survive? That's uh, what uh, burdens me uh, even today, and even more so because of I lost my sister. Yes, yes. And and uh, I know that while we've seen improvement in survival for lung cancer, um, it is still a very, very challenging, uh, you know, challenging cancer. And uh, unfortunately, there are folks who do not live a long life with cancer, with uh, lung cancer in particular. But uh, I think luckily we are going in the right direction. We're seeing better treatments and improvements. But tell me, Michael, what effect did that guilt have on, on, on your life? What was, what was the feeling and how did you cope with those feelings? Well, I think that uh, I, I uh, suppressed my feelings uh, for the most part. And then uh, before my sister died, five days before my sister died, I, I confided, constantly confided in my wife uh, and my sister-in-law. Uh, I'm the very fortunate, lucky person to have a wonderful family network and friends network uh, of support. And I relied on my wife and my sister-in-law uh, for help and guidance throughout. And five days before my sister died, my sister-in-law also passed away uh, uh, unexpectedly. And when I lost that, uh, I felt alone uh, and uh, depressed uh, because I could not, uh, uh, I lost my confidence. And um, uh, it took a while to overcome that and those series of events. But uh, obviously I have, and I have moved on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and um, you said it really kind of even moved into this, this uh, a sense of, of depression, anxiety. You had some people you could talk to that, that, that uh, you could confide in. Um, Absolutely. Were there any, any other things that help, helped you deal with the feelings of guilt or even still help you today, Michael? Uh, yes, very much so. Uh, I think uh, I'm uh, uh, somewhat active in the Lung Cancer Alliance, and uh, taking on the cause uh, mm-hmm. and trying to help people uh, uh, with lung cancer and, more importantly, to do some work to make sure we have early diagnosis of the disease. And that, uh, 
gives me a great deal of satisfaction uh, uh, working with Lung Cancer Alliance and meeting uh, not just wonderful professionals but other others who have uh, undergone similar illness and uh, trajectory as I have. And uh, it's important to be able to relate to that and to relate to others along those lines so that you can let out some of your feelings uh, uh, on the matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Michael, we're coming up um, uh, onto our break here, but I know that a lot of people don't admit to feeling guilt or feeling, you know, really sharing their emotions at all. I'm going to say that in our experience, you know, particularly men have some challenges sharing their feelings sometimes. But do you think that having the ability to to share those feelings, even coming on the show today and talking about your experience, has that been sort of, you know, therapeutic for you, um, you know, through the process of your cancer experience? Uh, it is indeed uh, therapeutic uh, to to help others to reach out and to help others is I think is the greatest gift that you can receive uh, is to help someone else and if you can help someone uh, and uh, let them know what it was like for you uh, and relate to, to in relation to theirs and if it eases their path and helps you climb the mountain together then it's a good thing and certainly that is uh, true in my case, and it is mm-hmm. therapeutic and helpful, beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. And I certainly encourage uh, so many others to reach out and find a, a confident and uh, yeah. talk it out. Yeah, well, well said, well said, Michael. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking today about cancer survivors' guilt. Uh, we've just heard from Michael Levin, a two-time lung cancer and three-time brain cancer survivor, who has uh, found some uh, ways to certainly express himself, found some confidants, ways to deal with his uh, guilt, connections to the Lung Cancer Alliance that uh, have helped him through those uh, uh, those feelings. We're gonna we're coming up on a quick break here. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're talking about cancer survivor guilt. We're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. 
Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by AstraZeneca, Lilly Oncology, and Myriad Genetics. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're now joined by Tara Perloff of the Lung Cancer Alliance and Megan Shen of Weill Cornell Medicine, who are two of the authors of a recent study called Survivor Guilt, The Secret Burden of Cancer Survivorship. Tara serves as Senior Manager of Support Services at the Alliance, where her work focuses on helping patients and caregivers find their best support to cope with the emotional side of cancer. She is passionate about psycho-oncology research and has presented nationally and internationally on various studies in lung cancer survivorship. Welcome to the show, Tara. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm so happy to be here. Excellent. And Dr. Shin is Assistant Professor of Psychology and Medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine in the Department of Medicine. Her work has focused on oncology patients across the cancer continuum, including screening, survivorship, and end-of-life care with a particular interest in addressing health disparities in these areas. Welcome to the show, Dr. Shin. Thank you so much, Ken. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, so Tara, before we talk about the study itself, can you tell us the particular challenges facing people diagnosed with lung cancer? Because there, I know that there are many unique challenges. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I work on the support team at Lung Cancer Alliance. And for the past four years that I've been here, I've helped to manage some of our volunteer programs. And I also answer our helpline. So it's through some of those conversations that I'm able to recognize that lung cancer patients are scared. They see statistics about lung cancer survival rates, and they're afraid to ask questions. They feel like they should just be grateful to survive lung cancer, and they don't deserve that necessary support and resources that some of the other cancers deserve, which is completely, you know, we, we want to do our best to help them as much as we can. Mm-hmm. And why do you think they have those feelings? I think a lot of it has to do with lung cancer stigma and, you know, whether they smoked or they didn't smoke, they feel mm-hmm. like people assume that they brought the disease upon themselves, mm-hmm. so they don't feel like they deserve the support that they do. So, so Tara, what led you to embark on a study about, uh, about the survivor's guilt that we're talking about in lung cancer survivors? Was it because this, this was sort of a, a theme that was emerging as you were working with patients? Absolutely. So it's been through some of those conversations, especially with longer-term survivors, that we were able to recognize that they're dealing with this sort of this sort of guilt that is hasn't really been pinpointed in the literature yet, and they need a way to to cope with it. And when we did some investigating about survivor guilt, we realized that we didn't really have a way to tell them to cope because there hasn't been any research done in a cancer population related to survivor guilt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, Dr. Shen, let me ask you, uh, you know, we're, you know, in challenging times in terms of turning on the news, seeing traumas, seeing shootings, seeing things like that. And, and so can you help us understand, clinically speaking, is a cancer diagnosis a trauma in the same way that surviving a car accident or a mass shooting is? Yeah, that's a great question, Kim, and and actually I think um, really relevant to the topic because for a long time it was sort of believed that no, that it was just uh, sort of a diagnosis that you got, treatment you underwent, and then hopefully uh, were able to recover from. 
But more research is showing now that um, individuals who undergo a cancer diagnosis, and particularly a lot of the treatment involved, um, often experience some trauma after the fact. And in, in fact, some patients actually experience uh, what's referred to as uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, mm-hmm. which is something a lot of people have heard in the context, you know, of people coming back uh, from perhaps being overseas at war, other more uh, what we would consider dramatic instances. And um, so although it's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the exact same as those, there are some key characteristics um, that a cancer diagnosis shares with some of those other uh, instances like a car accident or, say, a mass shooting, and that there's trauma experience both within undergoing the event itself and then some of the uh, sort of questioning um, that occurs afterwards if one is a survivor of that, uh, of that trauma. Mm. You know, uh, in, in um, doing research, Dr. Shen, for this, for this show, or we were sort of looking up, the, you know, definitions of guilt and what the, what the word actually means. And we found the, the sort of old English G-Y-L-T, which means crime, sin, fault, or fine. And that there also may be a connection to the old English word gildan, G-I-E-L-D-A-N, which means to pay for um, or, or a, a debt. And, and we found that guilt can also sometimes lead to a, a, you know, a positive response, sometimes a self-correcting mechanism, like a child confessing to their parents that they lied about doing their homework, as, a, as an example. But how would you define guilt or describe guilt in the context of a cancer survivor's guilt? Yeah, so this is a really interesting case of guilt because as you uh, referred to, guilt traditionally refers to sort of something that you would feel bad for having done Um, and most of the time would imply that you yourself had sort of there was an offense evolved or something. Mm -hmm. Whereas with survivor's guilt, the guilt tends to stem from almost feeling bad about being the one that survived, which you in no way probably had any control over your survival, but you almost feel like you got out, quote-unquote, um, of sort of the diagnosis maybe. What, you know, for instance, with lung cancer, a lot of patients do not survive. their low survival rates. So you feel like guilty about why you are the one that survived. Or in other scenarios, we see this people who have survived, you know, extreme trauma like the Holocaust or, say, as you referred to earlier, mass shooting. So the guilt tends to stem from almost feeling like there's something that maybe you did or something you didn't deserve in surviving while others did not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Dr. Shen, Michael's, Michael's story is an amazing example in terms of his sister being diagnosed with the same exact cancer in the same exact place, and yet she died and he survived. Absolutely, and um, I know we'll talk about it more, but that's a theme that actually emerged in a lot of our research. Is This is a very consistent theme of people knowing other individuals, friends, family members who had the almost exact same diagnosis who unfortunately mm-hmm. did not survive, and I think that really uh, exacerbates and contributes to the experience of survivor's guilt. Yeah, boy, that was a, really a, quite a compelling story that he shared with us, really unbelievable. Um, Tara, so, you know, let's get into the study a little bit, but what what question or questions were you hoping to answer with the study? So we first, and this has never been studied in any cancer population, we first wanted to know if it was indeed prevalent among our community of lung cancer survivors. And second to that, we wanted to see if there were any commonalities among those people who had it and if there were any differences. And then, so, so then tell us the process. How did you go about assembling 
you know, the research team and, and, and designing the study. Obviously, you found a star in Dr. Shen to be part of this, uh, uh, part of this work. Tell us uh, who else was involved, how did you put the team together, and then how did you, how, how was the study actually designed? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a science and research team within Lung Cancer Alliance. So the three authors on the on the study were myself, Dr. Jennifer King, who is also with Lung Cancer Alliance, and of course, Dr. Shen. And we all kind of have different backgrounds and in our relation to cancer and cancer research and working with lung cancer survivors. So we all put our heads together and it just worked out really well. Terrific, terrific. Um, I, I know, Dr. Shen, a lot of times in studies, you know, you're using terms that are difficult for, you know, non-experts or non-clinical people to understand. And uh, I, I read the study, and you make reference to using something called the interpersonal guilt questionnaire. Um, and then you also reference, quote-unquote, open-ended text. Can you explain what those are and, and how those were administered to the participants? Yes, absolutely. So the interpersonal guilt questionnaire essentially refers to um, a series of items that were developed, and one of the sort of subscales or portions of that questionnaire was specifically designed to assess the experience of survivor guilt. And so that would be um, sort of if you've ever had to fill out a questionnaire, sometimes we like those fun personality questionnaires where they just ask us questions about how much we agree uh, mm-hmm. with certain items um, it's sort of formatted in that format or if anyone's taken the Myers-Briggs, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And essentially that's just a measure that, um, that scientists have developed to really accurately assess a concept, and in this case, survivor guilt. Mm-hmm. Whereas the open-ended text responses where we actually just asked uh, survivors if they had ever felt guilt for uh, surviving their lung cancer diagnosis. And the interesting thing about these two measures is the first, you know, is a, what we refer to as a validated measure, so one that's known to really tap into and measure survivor's guilt, whereas the other one is really just getting a sense of if patients perceive themselves um, or survivors perceive themselves as experiencing guilt. And so we were able to sort of get at two different uh, uh, angles, I guess you could say, of of the experience of survivor's guilt among uh, the, the lung cancer survivors. Got it, got it. Um, Tara, we're moving up to our, our, our break here, but can you tell us how many people were in the study and was it difficult to find people willing to participate? So we had 108 people who completed the survey and then we did additional follow-up with some of those people and it was not difficult at all because it was a feeling that people were able to relate to and they sort of had this aha moment even if they didn't know what they were feeling was called survivor guilt when it was explained to them they just felt relieved to know that they weren't crazy they weren't alone in those feelings and it was being brought to light and we were doing something about it. Do you think that even by being asked the questions or participating in the study, there was something therapeutic about that in and of itself? Absolutely. I think, you know, again, it was, it was the feeling of, aha, I, that's exactly how I feel. Mm, and I've yeah. been feeling bad about this for so long, and I, I didn't know why, and now yeah. I get it. And people yeah. were interested to know the next steps. They wanted to know, well, mm. what do you suggest I do next? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. So sometimes people don't even know what they're experiencing or can't find the words or the language. And, you know, they participate in a study like this and you give them a, you know, give them a framework for what they've been feeling, which I know can, can really be therapeutic to folks. Uh, we're going to take a break here. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're talking about cancer 
survivor guilt. We have two uh, great guests with us today, Tara Perloff of the Lung Cancer Alliance and Dr. Megan Shen of Wild Cornell Medicine. Uh, We've got a lot more to talk about with these two great guests. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Don't go away. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is being brought to you in part by Insight Corporation, NovoCure, and Taiho Oncology. I'm Kim Tibaldo. With us today are Tara Perloff and Dr. Megan Shen, two of the authors of a first-of-its-kind study looking at survivor's guilt in patients with lung cancer. Tara is Senior Manager of Support Services at the Alliance, where her work focuses on helping patients and caregivers find their best support to cope with the emotional side of cancer. Dr. Shen is Assistant Professor of Psychology and Medicine at Weill Cornell. Her work is focused on oncology patients across the cancer continuum. Um, Tara, I know this study is called Potential Burdens of Guilt. Why, why did you choose that title and sort of what went into that? Sure. So potential meaning that not everyone is going to experience survivor guilt. Certainly not everyone diagnosed with lung cancer has survivor guilt or will experience it. But in presenting this research among the medical community, we wanted them to know that this is something that survivors do deal with and it does negatively impact their survivorship, which is what we found in the study. 
So you said there were 108 participants in the study. So what would be the minimum threshold you would need to meet in order to make the data uh, connected by the study relevant? So since this study was the first of its kind to measure survivor guilt across any cancer population, this was significant because nothing like it had ever been done before. And do you have plans to expand the study, reissue the study? Absolutely. We would. We definitely have already begun the process. Great. Terrific. Terrific. So tell. So so let's 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 really nail down, Tara, the results of the study. What did you find out? What did you learn? What was the bottom line? So we found that more than half of the people in this study, which was fifty-five percent of the survivors acknowledged that they had feelings of survivor guilt. So when given the definition, they said, yes, I have felt this way. And then they, you know, they sort of explained what that meant to them. Um, But more significantly, we found that people who did not necessarily acknowledge feelings of survivor guilt scored above average on the psychology scale. So survivor guilt was indeed prevalent among this population. And there were also some themes that we found among people who had the most survivor guilt. And what were those? Um, For example, like Megan had mentioned, one of them was the death of others. So as Michael said, he felt guilty because his sister passed away of lung cancer and he's still here. And that was one of the most common things that people kept mentioning in relation to the survivor guilt was that they knew someone else who passed away of lung cancer and that made them feel so bad about themselves. And, and, and Tara, I, 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 again, back to this idea that this is perhaps particularly relevant or even more prevalent in folks with lung cancer because, unfortunately, the survival rate for lung cancer still is not great. Is that correct? Yes. So lung cancer is certainly still the leading cause of cancer death mm-hmm. in the United States, of course, but there is a jump in survivorship. There's going to continue to be more lung cancer survivors. Mm-hmm. So it's something that is really important that, you know, we want everyone to have the best possible survivorship. So, um, so Tara, tell me what has been the response to your findings and where have you presented your data? So actually I've presented it at many different places, most recently internationally at the Multinational Association for Supportive Cancer Care, which was in Australia. And it's been very very well received among the medical community. I think it's because it's something that physicians know that their patients experience, Mm. but because it's never been talked about among any group of cancer patients, it's interesting to them, and they want to do everything they can to help their patients. So everyone's, you know, very much looking forward to the next step. Well, what can you tell me to tell my Mm. patients who are dealing with this? And certainly patients, you know, are happy to hear that they're not crazy, that, you know, this study shows that this is real and, you know, they're not alone and there's something being done to help them. So my next question for both of you, and I'm going to start with you, Dr. Shem, were you in any way surprised at the results of the study? Was there anything that kind of popped out for you or or was a little unexpected or did basically the results confirm what you've observed in your own work or have have heard, you know, anecdotally from colleagues or in in, in your own experience? Tell us, Dr. Shen, your observations of the findings. Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably what was most surprising to me was just how prevalent uh, the experience of survivor guilt was. 
Um, and perhaps, uh, as um, Tara had alluded to, you know, what some of those reasons were. So people who, so many people who actually knew somebody else who had the exact same diagnosis, in some cases it was because they met them through, you know, being in the same chemo suite or having similar appointment times. But a lot of times it was family members, friends, loved ones who had very similar diagnosis um, and unfortunately did not survive. And so I think just really um, getting to delve deeper into people's actual experience of it was really enlightening and I think uh, really sort of opened my eyes to understanding a little bit more about what that journey was like and to know that, you know, it's not all just relief of being a survivor, but that there is, you know, some burden of guilt that often comes along with that. Tara, how about you? Any Anything that surprised you in the study? Anything that was particularly reinforced for you in your work? I think it was interesting because we've done so much research about survivor guilt, you know, being studied from the very beginning, which was, you know, way back when, you know, mostly studied among survivors of war. It was interesting to me that even though the populations that have been studied in are so unique, some of the, the commonalities are, you know, they're, they're the same. They're, they're, they're experiencing the same feelings of despair. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit more about that, Tara, about the, some of the similarities that you've seen in, in terms of studying this issue in, in uh, cancer patients and, and then you said in other populations. So the, some of the commonalities that we found were, you know, it's survivor guilt is really the opposite end of the coin. So when someone's diagnosed with cancer, you know, the, the first reaction is, why me? Why was I diagnosed with this awful disease? But with survivor guilt, it's, why not me? So why didn't I die? Mm. And that was, you know, that was something that was found since survivor guilt was brought up in, you know, the early 1940s. Yeah. So, so Dr. Shen, let's get to that for a minute. I, I, I understand from our research that survivor's guilt, that idea was really first identified in 1947 and has been studied in a variety of, of populations um, since then. So maybe you can, you know, shed some light on some of that sort of earlier work, but also why do you think, you know, this hasn't been studied until now for people with cancer? Yeah, so I think, you know, as you alluded to, this was originally studied with people who had survived, you know, what we would sort of mark as extremely traumatic events. So survivors of war, survivors, you know, more free, more recently, perhaps survivors of mass shootings or even survivors of the Holocaust, uh, instances in which there was mass, you know, atrocities and loss of life, and you had people who survived that. And so that was when it was originally, the context with which it was originally studied. I think the reason um, that it hasn't been studied until now for people with cancer is, one, I, I don't think people often think of the cancer diagnosis and surviving from that as as traumatic of an event, you know, as we referred to earlier. And so I think for that reason, um, it hadn't really emerged in the research literature to think about the, the, the fact that people who are surviving cancer may actually experience guilt for surviving it. I think what we hope to, know, to learn a little bit more about is it may also have to do with the kind of cancer that you survive. So uh, with the population that we looked at, lung cancer uh, survivors, as 
you've referred to, lung cancer survivorship is much lower than other cancer sites. And so there may also be a sense of, you know, you are seeing a lot of people who have the same diagnosis passing away from the illness. Um, and so that may sort of make the experience of survivor guilt more prevalent in that population. Um, but I think people are now starting to realize that cancer um, diagnosis itself can be, you know, a traumatic event and one with which you have to encounter a lot of loss of life for other people who have those similar diagnoses. Do you think that, um, Dr. Shen, that, that, you know, in, in, in Michael's story, which again, it's just a remarkable story, but the fact that he had cancer so many times and kept beating it, um, and, and really, I guess, in some ways against the odds. And, you know, the guy had a heart attack in the middle of all of this. I mean, so, you know, so many challenges, yet he, he, he sort of kept beating the odds on that. Does that, does that only serve potentially to, to make his guilt worse or make it stronger? Absolutely. You know, when he was telling that story, I was also struck by just how amazing it was um, that he had survived so many instances of, you know, cancer recurrence, mm-hmm. uh, cancer spreading to other, you know, sites, and, and even having to deal with, you know, having a heart attack in the middle of all of that. And I think that certainly that could contribute to more of an experience of survival skill, right? Because there's even more reasons why, you know, I should, as, you know, Tara referred to earlier, why me? Why would I survive all of those instances? And I think, you know, as we've learned from research in, in things like war and survivors of the Holocaust and survivors of mass shootings, it seems that the more likely it was that you wouldn't have made it, um, that that can also contribute to how much guilt you might experience by being someone who did survive. And so certainly I thought his story really stood out to just how amazing it was that he, that he survived and has just this incredible story. Yeah, and I and I just you know I know we're going to talk about you know shortly talk about some of the mechanisms for uh, for uh, you know kind of turning that experience around and he, and he talked about um, really the the, uh, the the part of the sort of therapeutic piece for him was connecting with other people with lung cancer and 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 helping others and that was you know one of the mechanisms and tools that he found for sort of managing his guilt was to try to really turn it around and reach out to others and and help others through their lung cancer experience which again i thought was just a great uh, a great approach and a great uh, you know kind of reframing of the guilt into a way you know way to turn it into um, you know into a positive we're we're um, we're going to go to a quick break here i have Tara Perloff and Dr. Megan Shen with us today we're talking about survivors guilt and a pretty um, uh, innovative study that was conducted uh, by the Lung Cancer Alliance uh, in partnership with Dr. Shen and and, uh, a number of folks involved in this. Um, We're going to take a quick break here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, Don't go away. We will be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, 
the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb, Celgene Corporation, EMD Serono, and Takeda Oncology. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're talking today about survivor's guilt experienced by people with cancer, lung cancer survivors in particular. We've been learning a tremendous amount about this from our two guests, Tara Perloff of the Lung Cancer Alliance and Dr. Megan Shen of Weill Cornell medicine. When I think of cancer survivor guilt, I imagine a fairly straightforward definition of someone who feels guilt um, for having survived something that someone else is not. But it would seem that cancer survivor guilt is, uh, is a kind of a lot more complex than that, it includes a really a wider range of, uh, of thoughts and feelings. Um, Dr. Shen, can you Walk us through sort of the spectrum of emotions that we're talking about and, and, and sort of the range of ways that guilt can be uh, experienced by people with cancer. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the interesting thing about guilt is it can be sort of both something that orients you towards pursuing positive things um, and also withdrawing from positive things. And to give you an example, we saw with some of our individuals who experienced guilt, for some of them it propelled them towards doing things like volunteering, helping others. And I know it, you know, from Michael's story, it sounds like he was able to sort of get, have that positive influence of guilt. And on the flip side, it can also have people, you know, withdrawing some, feeling um, more negative emotions like sadness or um, feeling maybe some sort of depressive uh, feelings about maybe being the one that survived and also knowing others who, who you've lost to the disease. And I think we saw that in Michael's story with the loss of his sister, which clearly stuck with him. And so, um, and we saw this within our research, a lot of people referring to the sort of mixed emotions that they had. So there was some positive, you know, feeling relieved, feeling like they were given a chance to help others and speak into their lives and volunteer and do all these wonderful things. Um, but also sometimes just feeling a lot of perhaps sadness or regret or the why, why me, why am I the one that survived and some of these more negative yeah. emotions. So I think it brings with it a lot of mixed emotions um, that can be uh, leading to different types of behaviors. So, so let's, let, let's get to Dr. Shen, some steps that folks can take if they are dealing with, uh, with cancer survivor guilt. What are, what are some tools, some resources, steps folks can take to manage kind of through that? So I think the first thing, and, and perhaps what may be most helpful, especially based on what we're hearing survivors say, is finding other groups of survivors just to be able to talk about some of these concepts. I think in the space where there are, you know, other individuals who have also survived uh, cancer and maybe experiencing similar feelings of guilt, you know, it can be a nice 
space to know that you're not alone and really normalize the experience and, and also have individuals to talk with. I think what's so interesting about survivor's guilt is most people say, oh, you're so lucky, like you're the one that survived. And that can make it really difficult to process emotions like guilt and mm-hmm. how you might feel about that. Um, and so to have other uh, individuals who are sort of in the same boat, I think, is one step. Um, another step that we found a lot of our survivors mentioned being really helpful to helping them cope with this was just volunteering, um, and specifically volunteering with organizations that served other cancer members, so people mm-hmm. who are maybe undergoing treatment or even other survivors, as a way to sort of give back to the community and really utilize, you know, the fact that you have survived, that you have been given, you know, a longer life and being able to use that in a positive way for your community. So I think those are two ways, and then certainly always, um, you know, can see a mental health professional if you feel that those feelings of guilt um, are burdensome or you want to talk through it with somebody um, is another way to really help cope with that. Yeah, Tara, let's talk about that for a minute as we move towards the end of the show here. Um, You know, for some folks, can this be something that really could be debilitating and they really perhaps need some more, uh, you know, maybe one-on-one counseling or intensive therapy or, um, you know, how do folks know when it's more than they can maybe deal with on their own? Sure. And part of the next study is to to really gain a better understanding of survivor guilt as a mediating element of depression. And what we found in some of the open-ended responses, when we gave people a definition of survivor guilt and asked them to explain it in their own words, we got some really, really, you know, disheartening messages from people saying that they felt like you know, I had a hard time understanding why I'm still alive and others have to die. Other people have more to offer the world than I do. Mm. And, you know, some things we can't say that these people are depressed based on those responses, but we know that people are feeling really bad because of this survivor guilt. And we want them to know that there's no one-size-fits-all to finding that support. So maybe it is volunteering with an advocacy organization. Maybe it is professional support. Maybe it's, you know, some type of of one-on-one counseling. It's just making sure that you are able to cope with this in your own way. Mm. Tara, while, uh, while I have you, can you just let our folks just take a minute to talk about the Lung Cancer Alliance and how folks can find you and what you have to offer them? Sure. So Lung Cancer Alliance is based in Washington, D.C. We are a nonprofit organization that has been around for about 20 years. And on the support side, there's many ways to get involved. We have a one-to-one peer telephone support program where if you're a lung cancer survivor and you'd like to talk with newly diagnosed lung cancer patients, that's a way that you know, you can, you can feel like you have this sense of mission that you are giving back by being a lung cancer survivor. And mm-hmm. many of our volunteers feel that that's a way that helps them cope with, you know, many things related to their disease. We also do advocacy. So that's another way that you could come to D.C. and connect with other survivors all across the country who, are, who know what it's like to be in your shoes. And how can folks find you? They can find us through our toll-free helpline. That is 1-800-298-2436, or our website is www.lungcanceralliance.org. Can you say the phone number again, Tara, in case somebody's running to grab a pen right now? Can you just repeat that phone number for us? Sure. It's 1-800-298-2436. And the website? Is www www.lungcanceralliance.org. And Tara, can folks find this um, 
can they, they find this study on your website or any information about more studies that they could participate in? Absolutely. Excellent. Good, good. So we encourage uh, folks to do that, to check out the website, uh, give Lung Cancer Alliance a call. We've been partnering with the Lung Cancer Alliance for many, many years and are uh, pleased to have them um, you know, as a partner in our cancer support and, and advocacy world. Um, I want to thank Dr. Shen uh, and Tara so much for coming on to the show today, helping us better understand the challenges faced by lung cancer survivors and the impact of cancer survivor guilt uh, on their lives. I really want you. I want to thank you for shedding light uh, on this very, very important topic, and I want to congratulate you for um, uh, for your terrific research and and uh, 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 information that you're sharing with the cancer uh, community. And I hope you'll come back on the show to update us on your findings and your future um, investigation. Uh, it's been my pleasure to have you today on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I want to remind folks uh, that at the Cancer Support Community, we have a wide range of free support services for people with all cancers at any stage of their illness and for the family members and, and loved ones of people with cancer. You can uh, visit us at Cancer Support Community. Dot org to learn about our many services. Uh, if you want to find out uh, where we are located, we have 46 centers around the country where you can go for support groups, education, nutrition, exercise, stress reduction, all free of charge for people with all cancers and uh, for their family members and loved ones. We also have a helpline that's staffed by uh, trained counselors. You can call us on that line at 888 888- Seven nine three nine three five five. You could pick up the phone right now and call and talk to somebody if you need information, support, referral. That's 888-793-9355. I want to thank you for joining us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericahealth.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management